I am Maggie Miked Up, and you probably shouldn't listen to me. I am in no way a professional. I am simply a person that grew up in a world of chaos and managed to find a quiet place in that world for myself. I have worked extensively on my own healing. I've burned the bridges that reliably allowed bringers of chaos into my life, and I have replaced them with bridges that allow me to advance in the quiet I covet. This may be relatable for those of you that also grew up with the flames of chaos engulfing your environment, and may help you form your own path to peace. Get to know me as I share my perspective on various life struggles, and how I found myself peace in paradise. Welcome back to Peace in Paradise. I'm your host, Maggie. Today we have a letter from a parent that is concerned for the well-being of their children. I've changed names, some details, and omitted certain information. I want to ensure I don't shy away from the truly difficult struggles that people face in life. Everyone deserves to find their own path to peace. If anything I share leads even one person toward peace, that's enough for me. Without further ado, here's a story about a parent's trauma. I'll tell you a bit about myself first. I'm a single mom with five kids. My oldest daughter, I placed her with her grandma. She thrives in a quieter, more stable environment. So that leaves me with four. Three are naturally mine. My youngest, who is two years old, is not naturally mine. He was born addicted to heroin. He spent the first four months of his life in the hospital. He had surgery, COVID twice. I was there with him every day. Now let's move to March 2023. I decided to make a change and move everyone to Edmonton to be closer to my family. Everyone asked me why I left Calgary. Everyone that actually loves me and cares for my family and I has died. Well, moving was a huge mistake. After that, I was so stressed I got into a car accident. The kids were okay. And then I got into a fight because I tried to help a teenager and the parents were crazy. I kicked all three of their butts. So what I did was pit my kids in the kids' cottage. I slept in my car by the cottage so I could be there if there was an emergency. I got us a temporary hotel through After Hours Emergency Alberta Works. They put me through hell. They kept hanging up on me. And keep in mind, you have to sit on hold for roughly an hour every time. They made my kids and I stay in the car until 10 p.m. in plus 30 weather. They told the hotel specifically not to give us food, but the ladies at the desk gave us food anyways. Blessed. The one worker gave us a really bad, unsafe hotel. When I tried to get a different hotel, she said, if I move from this hotel, I will be on the street. I said, it's not up to you. It's up to my worker. And then she called the front desk and tried to get me kicked out. I have all of my conversations with them recorded. If I ever have a moment to breathe, I am making a formal complaint. After that, we found another place. Little did we know, it was full of cockroaches. After that, my fiancé and the father to my daughter died. After that, we got an eviction notice. Because my worker sent her checks and then cancelled them and then sent them and cancelled them. So I said, kids, if we're gonna be homeless, we're going back to Calgary. 
where people are normal. I placed my other daughter with her grandma as well, because at least she didn't have to suffer. We left most of our stuff behind because I don't mess with bugs. When we got to Calgary, I didn't realize we were in the middle of a housing crisis, as well as having the stampede, so hotel prices were ridiculous. $350 for a dirty drug hotel. My sister had a hotel, and against my better judgment, and out of desperation, we went and stayed with her. When she's clean, she's a good person, but when high on drugs, she's horrible. So for some reason, they gave her a room at a cheap price. I paid for a week in her name with my last dollars. Three days later, she leaves and is gone for two days. She gets high and drunk. I was out looking for a place with my babies. She called the hotel and told them, I have no idea what. I come back to try to get my baby's inhaler, which was visible on the table. The guy working at the front desk started calling me a crackhead. I've been clean for at least 15 years. Then he spit in my nephew's face and tried pushing him down the stairs. Kicked my car, broke it, swearing and yelling. Finally, the police came and did nothing. They told us to leave before he tows my car. I guess my registration had expired. So we left, and I sat on the side of the road, crying. I had nothing and nowhere to go. My kids deserved so much better. After that, I pulled myself together. I worked even harder. I dealt with the after-hours Alberta Emergency Works. I took the insults and abuse and got us into a less bad hotel. It took a month, but with the help of Jordan Principal, I found a place. I've called every agency. I've talked to so many people. Nobody cares about my kids. As a result of all of this stuff, I lost my kids. I lost my home. I lost my income. I don't even have my car to sleep in anymore. One positive note, I have managed to find another house to live in. But it's empty. There's no kids. No love. I just sleep here and cry. All day. Every day. I just keep praying that my kids don't get harmed. I feel like Children's Services is the new-aged residential school. So I'd like to make it known that due to the fact that there is system involvement, I have changed and omitted a lot of information. I will provide feedback on the information removed, as well as share supports and contacts that will hopefully be able to receive the information in a capacity to help and invoke change for this family. Every person involved in this situation deserves my respect, your respect as listeners, and the respect of every single person involved in their specific case. As a final disclaimer, I am not a parent, and though I come from a background of trauma, including the intergenerational trauma related to being Ukrainian, Scottish, and Irish, as well as coming from a line of alcoholics and abusers, I am a white woman. I will never pretend I can relate to the dynamics I have never been in. I have been involved in the system as a child, and I grew up to work with people that had system involvement. I do share a unique perspective as someone that has been on both sides in various capacities. With all of that in mind, from a system point of view, they have a specific set of requirements that they provide to you in terms of what steps you need to take what requirements you need to meet to be reunited with your family. 
I will refer to these hoops. I will refer to these as the hoops to jump through. These likely include things such as parenting courses that you'll be required to take. They may include a rehabilitation program. Even if you're sober, if anyone has questioned this, they may add this as a requirement. Meeting with a family worker, accepting phone calls, Zoom calls as your visits, followed by supervised visits, scheduled unsupervised visits, extending in length to potential overnight stays, and eventually a trial and extended return of your children if everything goes well to this point. The evidence you listed in the unmentioned portion of this letter is evidence you need to send to your local MLA if you believe it shows that the removal of your children was done without cause. In the description, I have provided the list of current MLA contacts. Send the evidence you've collected to the representative for the constituency location in which you reside. Also, send it to the constituency and location that removed your children and to the constituency slash location that your caseworker's office is located. If the location of the programs you have utilized are in different zones, send this information to their MLA as well. I will also provide contact information for the Office of the Minister of Children and Family Services and the Minister of Indigenous Relations for you to reach out to with your evidence if you choose to. Now, in terms of what will give the greatest peace, I can only speak for myself. With the understanding that this feels like an impossible situation, you are not alone. It may sound redundant as someone that has been sober for 15 years. However, you still have family that face addiction. You may find comfort in Al-Anon groups. I have provided a link in the description that has meeting schedules. I recommend looking up groups near you and choose one that works with your schedule and location. Attend it with an open mind. Understand that everything you have gone through is exceptional and you deserve a community that in some ways is able to relate. Attend the meeting you choose without fail. There are multiple reasons for this. The group may be something you find helpful, but the other reason is that going consistently will show you are trying. It will show you are able to consistently show up to something to help yourself. However your visits are scheduled, in person, on the phone, supervised, unsupervised, attend them without fail. If you get a phone call to confirm the visit, accept the phone call without fail. Show that you are jumping through the hoops put in front of you. If you feel like crying the whole day, from the time you wake up to the time of your visit, go into your visits with the best attitude you can. Be excited about what your kids are doing, in school and outside of school. I know you miss your kids. Your kids miss you too. Drawing out conversations about how sad you are and how much you miss them is passing that on to them and making them accept your emotions. That's not fair to them, and it likely won't look good overall. I know looks are not everything. However, in this situation, being an active and positive participant in your visits will get you much further. If you need to, once your visit is over, cry for the rest of the day. If you have a job and you need to cry as you perform your job, I don't know about the rest of the world, but I wouldn't blame you. If you don't have a job, get one. If you are unable to get one, speak to your worker about getting on AISH, welfare. I don't know if an EI is available to you, but if it is, get on it. I know the paperwork sucks. I know the people aren't always the most understanding. Unfortunately, this is the current resource available. If you need identification that you don't have, start and complete the process required to get the identification you need. Again, I understand that none of this is ideal. I wish that it didn't have to be like this. 
However, in the time that you have between now and the time that your kids age out of the system, I don't know that the system will change enough to make these hoops that you have to jump through different than this. I know it's not ideal, and I wish I had better advice. Unfortunately, this is the best advice that I have. And without actually being in the situation myself, this feels like the route that I would go. If you are in need of someone to assist you in an advocate role, I have left the contact information for the Office of the Child and Youth Advocate, OCYA, for you to consider. Now for what will really lead to the most peace. I know mental health supports are often lacking. Reach out to a therapist. I will provide you the Indian Residential Schools Resolution Health Support Program. This includes resources directly related to uh, support for residential school survivors and their family, as well as resources for that. Federal Indian Day School, IDS, Health and Cultural Support Program, and Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls, MMIWG, Health and Cultural Support Program. Reach out to supports. You have the chance to work through many struggles and the great loss that you have suffered in life. You matter. You are important and you deserve healing. For myself, I have struggled for years to find supports. Part of the time I spent convincing others I was fine when I wasn't until I accepted that I couldn't go on the way I was feeling and chose to push through the hard times that came with seeking help. I felt lost and alone. Many years later, I rarely feel alone. When I do, I'm able to recognize that I need to seek help before I allow my struggles to snowball, taking me with them into the abyss that is my brain. I hope you are able to find your way through this time. I hope to hear from you again in the future and that you're able to tell me all of the ways that your life is different and better than it feels right now. Again, I have left all of the resources I discussed above in the comments below. I will also leave them in the actual video description. The evidence that you have, the information that you have, I can't do a whole lot with, unfortunately. However, there are checks and balances within the contacts below that should be able to do something. If at any level of that someone's not doing something, there are investigations that can be launched in order to review the situation. I don't think that it'll happen quickly. Unfortunately, nothing seems to happen quickly. But I do hope that it starts you on a path to reuniting with your family. I hope that it leads you to a path that brings you and your children a great deal of peace because you absolutely deserve it. And for others that are listening that may be in a similar situation, understand that there are checks and balances and people to report to, again, in the comments, in the description. And I want nothing more than for you to find peace. As always, if you agree or disagree with any advice I've provided, please let me know in the comments below. Feel free to share additional advice you have for each person in the comments on YouTube. If you'd like to reach out for advice, send me an email to maggiemikedupsubmissions at gmail.com or contact me on social media at maggiemikedup. If you'd like to hear more from me, like this podcast and subscribe to my podcast and social medias.